Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, the ages of all ages. Amen. These are truly words to live by. The Lord Jesus gives us His words to live by, not just for reading and for knowledge, not just for some sort of religious instruction, but they're given to us to live by. He says it many times, and even when the devil tried to tempt him with hunger, the Lord said to him, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We're called to live by this word. It's, it's living and powerful, as St. Paul says to the Hebrews. The word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So this living, powerful word is there, right? It's at our disposal. It's been given to us for thousands of years from the Old Testament onwards. And it's more and more accessible to us today than it was for many people, than it is for so many people as well. Many people in the world don't have easy access to the Word of God. They have to smuggle it in to where they go. They have to carry it as if it's something, something contraband. It's not uh, an easy access. Us, uh, uh, for, the, for the blessing we have, is something incredible. We actually have the Word of God constantly at our disposal. And we're called to live by it, to, to live with it, to, to walk by it, to eat it alive for our spiritual feeding. St. John Chrysostom says the Holy Scriptures were not given to us that we should enclose them in books, but that we should engrave them upon our hearts. The Word is meant to be engraved on our hearts. Something engraved on our heart remains, right? It can't, can't get rid of an engraving very easily. That's why it's so important to engrave the Word. Let it be engraved on our hearts. St. Paul warns us of something, and he, he spoke about the end of time and how people will become. If you open up 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first five verses, he's listing to us the people and their approach and their attitude at the end of time. And he says about them that they are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning. We're learning so much, but we're not able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're coming to knowledge, but knowledge that puffs up, knowledge that will not bring us into the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus, when speaking the parable to the disciples, He says, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's been given to know. But there are those who, we spoke about this also yesterday in Vespers. We spoke about someone like Judas Iscariot, who was with the other 11, he was a person who was given this mystery. He was given to know. He was given the capacity to heal the sick, to cast out demons when he was sent out on their first missionary journey in Luke chapter 10. He was given the potential to sit with the other 11 around the Lord, judging the 12 tribes of Israel in the end of time. But it was given to him, but he was on the outside in his heart. The word it's as if the word comes and is rebounded back out. It's not seeped into his heart. We need a soft heart. We heard in the Cynic Sarah today about the Saint, Saint Aphramius of Raha who prayed that the hearts be softened. 
that the, that hard soil may become soft so that when the word hits it, when that seed touches it, it bears fruit, good fruit. Not just soil, seed, nothing. Just throw it out because it bore no good. So it has been given to us to know. If we want to know, we will know. The Lord has not hidden it from us. That's why we pray in the litany of the gospel. Many have desired to see and have not seen. Many have desired to hear and have not heard. But you, on the other hand, you've been given to see and to hear. So, you see, the, if you continue that passage that we're just talking about here, the Lord said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside. We could be inside the church right now, but we could be outside in our hearts. And that's why to those who are outside, it, all things come in parables. When Judas saw Mary anoint the Lord's head with that spike nard, he saw it as a parable. And that's why he critiqued her and criticized. says, why was this waste? This could, this could have been sold and given to the poor. It was a parable. It was not clear. And yet she knew exactly what she was doing. The Lord promised to remember her forever for what she did. And, but to him and to those who are like him, May Lord have mercy on us all, left outside. It was given in parables. Why? We want to understand why. We want to look at that today and just briefly try to grasp why is it that for some it's on the outside and for some it comes inside. Why? One of the first things we see here is an explanation the Lord Jesus himself gives when speaking to Nicodemus about the new life, the birth of water and spirit. The Lord says to Nicodemus, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. They loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? For their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light. And does not come to the light lest his works be reproved. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his works may be manifested. That they are brought or done or wrought in God. It's a simple reason here. And it's a true one. Sometimes the word does not bear any fruit because I prefer darkness rather than light. When the word comes and hits me like a bolt of lightning, I refuse it for various reasons. Perhaps I don't like the light. I hate the light. It could be. I mean, that's one reason. And yet the Lord tells us, and he's been saying this since the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 1, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Could you imagine if Judas had gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I have a problem. I'm ashamed to talk about it. But it's a real problem. I lust after money. I love money. I've been stealing what's in the money box for months now. And I haven't told you nor the rest of the disciples. I'm too ashamed to say it. But this is the reality. I love money. And when I saw that woman pour oil on your head and waste that, I said, that money could have been in my pocket rather than on your head, rather than in the box for the poor. I don't know what to do. Would you help me? What do you think the Lord would have done? Would, have he, would he have condemned him? Would he have, you disgusting man, you're stealing the money of the poor? No. He would have said, finally, Judas, finally you're opening up your heart. Finally you're softening their heart and exposing yourself to the only light that can heal you. Finally, I'm so happy you did this today, Judas. This is the best moment of your life. This is a turning point in your life. That could have been. And it could have been for many. And it, and it is for many as well. That's why there's hope. 
But we say, we need to tell ourselves, Lord, what is it that I'm hiding? What is it that I can hide to begin with from you? I found this quote and this you know, little picture, and it says, when children learn to walk and fall down 50 times, hundreds of times, they never think to themselves, maybe this isn't for me. Have you ever seen a child say that? Like they're, they're starting to crawl and boom, they fall. Oh, it's okay. And you applaud and you pick them up again and they start walking again. Have you ever seen a child say, no, no, this is not for me. I give up. We've never heard or seen that. They crawl, they get up, they fall, they stumble, they walk, they do all kinds of things. Until all of a sudden they're walking, leaping, jumping, running. You have to run after them to catch them, right? We haven't heard a child say that. This isn't for me. And yet many of us, uh, I read the Bible, it's not for me. I don't understand it. I don't understand the word. It's too complex. It's not for me. What are you talking about? Who are you fooling other than yourself? This is exactly what happens. How we do this to ourselves spiritually all the time. We're always doing this to ourselves. And yet the promise is, come to me. Let us reason together. I will help. I will open it up to you gradually. I'm not going to just like all of a sudden. You don't need the all of a sudden. Jesus is not about all of a sudden. He's about slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Give us this day. Not give us this year, our daily bread. Give us this decade, our daily bread. Give us this day. Give us now. Now. Sufficient for today is its own trouble, he says. He, he's teaching us, he's nurturing us to walk by faith, not by sight. We're always about what I can see, what I can touch, what I can hear. But that's not what the Lord is about. You saw how that, that little sprout coming out of the soil, we don't, we, we don't see it. You see a seed planted and it's gone. And then gradually you see something coming out. Slowly but surely, very gently, very patiently. St. Paul tells us, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. He's able. Not only is he able, he wants to. He loves to. We have one of the popes of the church, Pope Demetrius. He was the 12th pope of the church. Centuries and centuries ago. He was a vine dresser. He used to take care of the vines and vineyards. And he found uh, you know, a cluster of grapes out of season. And he went and brought it to the Pope. And he later becomes the Pope after him by divine providence. And then they he didn't know anything. He was a simple farmer. He barely knew his ABCs of Christianity. But he was a righteous, faithful man. It's not about what you know. It's how you live by it in your heart. So they brought him a priest and a scholar to teach him. He would learn nothing. He didn't understand anything. So I, I can't understand. I'm not grasping anything you're saying. It's illogical. I'm not getting it. And then one day he felt, by divine providence, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you know what, the next time this priest comes, I'm going to sit on the floor. I'll have him sit on my chair, on my throne. So the priest came, Your Holiness, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're sitting on the ground? Please, please take your seat on the throne. He goes, no, 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 no. I need to say, I'm learning today. You sit on the throne today. And from then on, he began to flourish in his knowledge of the faith. He's the one who set the calculations, the impacts of when Easter is to be celebrated by the Christian church all over the planet in the early days. So be patient and be humble and give the word a chance. This is basically what we're called to do. These words are there for us to learn from. St. Paul says, For whatever things were written before, written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. They're there for our learning. So you can't, if I want to learn, I need to read them. I can't say, well, they're there for my learning. Well, that's nice. 
Do you read them? No. Well, I got a verse of the day by email. What's that going to do? Yeah, it's better than nothing. I agree with you. But it's not sufficient. You don't just eat a piece of celery every day. You'd be dead by now. You don't just have a small fragment of lettuce. Let me have a snip of romaine lettuce for dinner. That's not going to satisfy you. That's not going to feed you. It's not going to nourish you. You need to eat your proteins. These are your proteins. These are your proteins. St. John Chrysostom, when speaking about it, he gives a very practical example. He says, have no concern for money. Love your wife more than you love your own life. So he's talking about couples and the Bible. He says, never be at odds, but be true. Prefer her company at home above being out. Esteem and admire her publicly and advise her patiently. Pray together. This is the part I want to focus on. Pray together. Go to church and discuss the readings and prayers. Discuss this. Like how many people go home after church and talk about what they heard and read at the screen today? Or at home? How many people do the devotions they need to do today regularly on a daily basis? There are very simple things you can do on a daily basis. Some of you remember the book called The Love Dare by the movie Fireproof. It was first put on the movie in the movie Fireproof years ago. It's a 40-day devotional. And every day has maybe two or three message, a devotion on love. And then at the end of those two or three pages, it gives you a dare. Today, the author dares you to do this and that for your spouse. You for her, her for you. Every day, for 40 days. And he says, it's not going to be easy. He says, take it as a warning. It's not going to be easy, he says. But it might change your life and your marriage, he says. It's called the love dare. This is, comes from 4th century. St. John Chrysostom. He says, pray together, go to church, and discuss the readings and prayers. If your marriage is like this, your perfection will rival the holiest of monks. You will rival the holiest of monks and nuns in the desert if you live this way. It's up to us. It's up to us. St. Paul warns and says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How can we escape if we neglect it? It's there for our salvation. It's there for our learning. And the Lord again is willing to gradually open. He says in Luke chapter 24, when he met the disciples of Emmaus on the road, says he opened their understanding that they may begin to comprehend the scriptures. He can open our understanding. But we have to begin. We have to begin. We have to want. When there is a will, there is a way. So sometimes, another reason why we don't understand. The Lord says this in John 8. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you are unable to accept my message. In other words, you don't want to accept my message. One reason I, I prefer darkness rather than light. I prefer to live in sin rather than expose myself to the light of Christ. Therefore, the word can't bear fruit. It tries to, and I stop it in its tracks. My own will. Or it's because I'm not accepting the message. No, no, this is not for I don't want to hear this. You, this is for her. That's, it's for him, not for me. When it's first for me right now. First and foremost. That's one another reason. The Lord says in Jeremiah 33, Call to me and I'll answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. But again, gradually, call and you will know. The Lord even told the disciples after the miracle of the loaves and fish, Do you still not understand? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Sometimes another reason why we don't understand is because we forget. We forget the blessings and the miracles that have happened in our lives over the years. We forget what the Lord has done for us, the great things He has done for us. And because we willfully forget, the word also remains stagnant. The Lord has not stopped being good. We have stopped being grateful. This is the problem with me and you 
as a society today. When I say you, I'm talking about the society we live in. God is good and remains good and His mercy endures forever. The problem is not in God. The problem is in society who has stopped being grateful for the goodness of God. Has stopped noticing the goodness of God. We forget. And that's what happens. And yet the Lord says by the Holy Spirit, the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That Holy Spirit who dwells in us will remind us and guide us and shed light and shine upon us. In the Psalms it says, Open my eyes that may behold wonderful wonder, wondrous or wonderful things from your law. Open my eyes. Say, Lord, open my eyes. My eyes are so open to the earthly, the temporal, the carnal, the computer screen, the tablet, the phone, the whatever. Lord, open my eyes to spiritual things. Set my mind and my heart on things above, not on things of the earth. Open my eyes. It says in another psalm, open my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Enlighten my eyes. St. Paul warns us about this and says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is at the image of God should shine on them. They don't believe because there's a veil on their hearts. There's a veil. Why? Because they were choked by the distractions and pettiness of this world. They were choked by it. We're called to remember these things and live by them. I was saying a story yesterday about Father Louis de Rose who was talking about how decades and decades ago when he was a young priest, he was sitting with a group of clergy. And at one point, the deacon went up and read the Catholic epistle. And you know what is said after the Catholic epistle? Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. The world is passing away. We hear this thousands of times. He's heard it tons of times. He says this old priest sitting next to him, old white beard down to his feet, 40, 50 years as a priest. When he heard the deacon say that, he said, it's not worth being loved. He exclaimed from his heart. Father Lua was startled. He says, why is this man reacting this way? And he took it as a lesson. He said, I can't believe that this priest, after hearing this message thousands of times, reacts this way, reacts with the same zeal. Do not love the world. No, there's nothing to love about the world and the lust of it. What's to be loved is the glory of God in it and the salvation of every soul in it. So we, we can pray and say, Lord, grant me to, you know, be sensitive to the word every time I hear, no matter how many times. It's the same book, by the way, every year, you know. The selectionary is the same one year after year after year. The church has not tried to update it, edit it, change it. It's not trying to entertain you. It's the same book. The same book every year. The church is not out to entertain. The church is out to constantly throw the seed of the truth. Constantly. Hoping that the soil will this time receive it and be ready to receive it. The Lord said, "Whoever through St. John, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. This is an indicator. If I'm really taken in the word, I've accepted the message, I decided to hate darkness rather than light, I begin to walk in the light of the word, to live the word, words to live by. That's an indicator. But when my deeds and my life contradict, are in odds, at odds with the word, then the word has not yet begun to bear fruit in my heart. There is cultivation that I need to start doing. And the Lord will explain it to me over time. What I'm doing, you do not understand now, he says, but afterward you will know. When did the Lord say this? Anybody remember? When did the Lord say these words? 
Exactly, washing the feet. He was washing the disciples' feet, and St. Peter didn't understand what he was doing. He said, you understand later. Don't worry about understanding everything now. Don't worry about finding an answer to every single question that the world throws at you. We're not here in a political debate. We're here according to the demonstration of the Spirit and His power. Plain and simple. Let the Lord explain to you later. Another example, Jesus answered, you are mistaken because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. The amount of mistakes that happen in today's society are happening because we do not know the Word of God. We do not know the Word of God as we ought to. And because of that, we are often greatly mistaken. We make poor decisions as a society, as a country, as a world, simply because the Word of God is left closed on a bookshelf rather than open in our hearts. Very simple. Again, these are the words of the Lord. This passage is a context from the book of Acts when this Ethiopian man was on a chariot reading Isaiah in the Old Testament and he didn't understand. So the Lord sent him St. Philip the deacon. So Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Another reason we don't understand is because we're not asking. There are Bible studies. It's alarming that a Bible study for a church that serves hundreds of families has a handful of people attending it on a weekly basis. Where's everybody else? Well, he says, don't worry, don't judge what I'm doing. I'm not judging. But I'm asking you to consider critically, what are you doing with the Word of God? This man was driving, like he's in a chariot, right? It's like you're driving to work. He's in a chariot, but he's reading. He's questioning. The Lord will send you the answer when you ask. It's there for us, and it's at our disposal. Finally, I'll leave you with what St. Paul says, telling St. Timothy, till I come. He says, till, you can take it as till the Lord comes. But then it was when St. Paul comes, give attention to reading to exhortation, to doctrine. You need to give attention that you may remain in the sound faith. When St. Mary says before the miracle of the wedding of Cana, whatever he says to you, do it. How can I do it when I don't know what he says? St. Mary says to me today, whatever my son tells you to do, do it. Okay, St. Mary, where? What do I? Well, open the Bible and you will find out. How can I know what he's saying to me to do when I don't even read it? You can't rely on a Sunday sermon. It's not enough. It's not going to suffice. It's good for today. Sufficient for now. What about in an hour, two hours, three hours, tomorrow? It's not sufficient. Let us read deeply to learn deeply. It's an inexhaustible well. So the Lord ends and tells us, the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Be patient. Give the word a chance to bloom to bear fruit in your heart. And you will be amazed at the wonders the Lord will reveal to you and what you will live by and the power you will live by over time. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.